Hello, my survivor friends. Chris here. How are you feeling? How's everybody doing? I'm a little sad myself. Are you a little sad we've reached the end of season one? Yeah, me too. But we're working on it. Today's not a normal episode. Today I am posting a copy of an episode from the Apocalypse Postcast. It's a show by Mike Darling in which he interviews me about season one of this show of After the Apocalypse. I'm going to post the whole show, just stick it in there. It's a little bit over an hour long. He does an intro, then he plays the first episode of our podcast, of The Old Man, and then somewhere around 13 to 15 minutes in, the, he and I start the interview. And But it's it was a lot of fun, and it came out really well. So I thank you, Mike, for that. It was really a good time. And by the way, the word episode, that's an old Greek word from the origins of Western theater. It goes back to 400 BCE. Sophocles. Think, uh, yeah, those guys. So epi means entering, but in our modern use, we've changed it to sort of mean between. So it's literally between odes, epi odes, between odes. And in the original Greek tragedies, there would be singing and chanting. Of, there would be a chorus. And this would happen in the beginning. Then there'd be some dialogue. Then be, there'd be more chorus, then more dialogue, then more chorus and singing and chanting. So the dialogue was the stuff between the odes. So epi odes. There you go. And we've already picked up a new supporter on Patreon from the Wastelanders, our Wastelander friends. Thanks, Craig. Welcome. Welcome many other Wastelanders out there. Hope you guys get a good showing this year. Hope it's not too apocalyptic. <laughs> Feel free to enjoy this episode of Mike's Apocalypse Postcast or skip it. Either way, it's all good. I won't be offended. I'm currently working on two things. First is consolidating season one into a book. And second is working on developing season two for you. Season one ended up being about 48,000 words long. Nice little chunk, about 120 pages of the paperback. And I've gotten an edited manuscript back. And I've got some of you giving that a read through looking for egregious typos and such. So thank you, Royce and Stephanie and Bill. I've got some cover art in progress as well. And I could use your help spreading the word when we launch. I've got some more work to do in navigating the Amazon labyrinth, like Theseus looking for the Minotaur. But it shouldn't take me more than a month, and we'll be back on it. I've already started putting my thoughts together for Season 2, and I hope to get started on that shortly. So keep checking in. Hope you're all enjoying your time off from the apocalypse. We'd love to hear your voice over at our Facebook group. It's Old Man Apocalypse, all one word. If you haven't done so already, take the time now while we're having this nice little interregnum. Take the time to rate and review the show. Uh, we all know the best thing you can do is tell a friend. We love to see your comments. I read all of them, even the bad ones. <laughs> I can use your support, right? So your comments, your friendship on this journey, chime in with any good ideas, especially ideas on how to spread the word. If you have a podcast or something else uh, that you want me to get involved in, yeah, I'd love to do interviews, that sort of thing. If you're a creator and you want me to read some of your audio, uh, some of your work into audio, or we could get Robert to read it. I'd love to do that as well and post it here on the feed to fill the dead air while I get season two rustled up. So just let me know. C-Y-K-T, Russell, two S's, two L's. Chris, yellow, King, Tom, Russell, two S's, two L's, at gmail.com. Links in the show notes. Love you guys. Thanks for the support, and keep surviving. Did this ourselves. They're coming. It can't be. Where is everyone? Hello, survivors, and welcome back to the Apocalypse Post, your field guide to post-apoc culture. A few weeks ago, I discovered this amazing podcast called After the Apocalypse by Chris Mad Dog Russell and narrated by Robert Weinheimer. 
It's an original story that follows three lead characters in the weeks following a global pandemic that wipes out 90% of the population. We first meet the old man, a lone surviving ex-doctor who spends most of his time trying to avoid trouble, but somehow keeps getting caught up in it. And then another character, a woman named KJ, who lost her whole family and has now struck it out on her own to see what remains outside the city. And of course, there's also a dog that's just trying to be a good boy. There's a lot of great storytelling podcasts out there, but not nearly enough in the post-apocalypse genre. So I was wonderfully surprised to find this one and discover it's a great story told in bite-sized chapter chunks and has some truly great production value. There is awesome music. Robert, the narrator's voice, is hauntingly somber, mysterious, and super engaging. And author Chris wraps out each episode with some great commentary and discussions about his favorite books and stories in the post-apocalypse and sci-fi worlds. I'm very excited because Chris has offered to share the first episode of After the Apocalypse right here and right now on the Apocalypse Postcast. And stick around because I'm going to have a discussion with the Mad Dog himself right after to learn a little bit more about the show and how his real life has influenced so much of the story. And if you like After the Apocalypse, I'll leave links in the show notes so you can find the rest of season one, which is 20 full episodes, as well as his Patreon page where you can help support the story. And with that, survivors, I bring you chapter one of After the Apocalypse, titled The Old Man. After the Apocalypse, a story of pandemic survival. Season one, episode one, The Old Man. The afternoon sun slanted warm across the river's surface. The water was high from the recent rains, and a muddy hue swirled in the shallows. Early mayflies prickled the surface here and there, and lazy ripples hinted of fish and dorsal fins. A cottonwood tree trailed its branches into the flow, creating a rip in the otherwise placid waters. In the low hiss of water sounds, a man cleared his throat. How long you been here? The teenager asked. Near an old shed by the water, an old man leaned back, cleared his throat again, pulled aside the protective gauze of his mask and spat. A week or so now. He eyed the younger soul with a mix of weariness and caution. The boy continued, leaning back onto a fallen tree, feigning disinterest. Looking carefully sideways at the old man with shaded eyes. You must have seen a lot in your time. What did you do before? You know, before it happened? For the boy knew that the older ones liked to talk about the before times. Maybe he could get this surly old one off his guard. Yeah, I did. I was there. The old man relaxed a bit and readjusted the weight of his wiry frame like a gymnast limbering up. I was up north when it began. I worked my way down here where it's warmer. When the first wave hit, it got pretty weird, he continued. Once the system got pushed beyond its limits, things got bad fast. He eyed the boy and gestured with a shrug to a partially collapsed burnt-out building, tipping into the river a few kilometers downstream. A lot of people died. He finished as if to say, that's all I have to say. But the boy wouldn't let it rest and pulled the thread. I heard up north there was the dying and those that was left in the cities took to killing each other. The old man shrugged. Once the supply chain broke down, it was a zero-sum game. Take a place like New York City. You had 
20 to 30,000 people per square mile and no way to keep them fed, starving, dying people. Don't act reasonably. He looked out over the water and sorted itself out. The boy looked over the man's shoulder, eye in the shed, and then back at the man himself. What did you do back before, mister? A sharp look. It doesn't matter, boy. I was fast and smart enough to make it out into the country and stay alive. He covered a hundred hard miles that first day and got out of the trouble. Those that couldn't run stayed and died. We ran and lived. His eyes clouded over with the faces of ghosts. The boy adjusted his dirty mask and casually moved his hand towards the hilt of his machete, as if brushing off a bit of dirt. You got anything to trade, mister? The old man noted the boy's movements and squared himself. I have some dried fish and squirrel, plus some sweet marsh plant that makes a pretty good stew. I'll feed you, kid. I have what I need here, but I'm not looking for company. I won't say no to a meal, mister. You've got a pretty good setup here. I survive. Thanks, mister. Let me cut some wood for a fire, the boy said, smiling unsheathing his big blade and shouldering his way casually forward. The old man rolled quickly over the log he was seated on. Landing on his feet, he took off running along the sandy shingle of the river. Come back here, you son of a bitch, yelled the teenager, taken off in pursuit. But the old man already had a 25-foot lead and was racing ahead. The old man settled into a hard pace, his homemade sandals biting firmly into the soft mud. The boy was close on his heels, swearing and slipping. A well-traveled trail opening onto the left, and the old man had disappeared into the forest and up a steep, loose, rocky climb. The kid was pretty good and was staying close. Others might have given up at the sight of the big climb. The man breathed deeply, filling his lungs, willing his heart to push blood down to soothe the burning in his thighs. Three more stilted strides pushed him over the crest, and he shook out his arms, unfolding his lanky frame for the long descent along the ridge. He could hear the kid about twenty-five meters back now, struggling up the loose slope. He relaxed his form and balanced his body against the downhill with long, quick strides. Through a cedar thicket and back onto the river's bank, he pushed hard now for the shed. He rounded a corner and reached for where he knew it would be. The kid was breathing hard and he came into view. He looked quite surprised, eyes wide in his dirty face as the old man settled his breathing and released the bolt of the crossbow. It struck the boy cleanly in the chest. The boy staggered a couple more steps with his momentum and fell. With that surprised look of unbelief still on his face, the old man scratched his scraggly beard and considered the kid laying on the ground, blowing bubbles of blood around the corners of his mouth. It wouldn't be long now. The old man hated to do it. He was supposed to save lives, not take them. But in this new world, after the apocalypse, the rules were different. It was every man for himself. Even so, something old and familiar felt sick inside of him. It was obvious to him that the kid was sent ahead to infiltrate his camp and catch him off guard. He saw it coming. It was his gift and his curse to be able to read people and see around the corners to what was probably going to happen next. He wasn't always right, but he was right often enough, and he had learned to trust his instincts. The kid had stopped breathing, 
had gone to meet his ancestors. He had been added to the great pile of bones that was humanity's legacy. What did the old man care? Why should he mourn one more death on top of the millions that had recently been rubbed out of existence? But still, it bothered him. Sure, it was him or the kid, but what was so special about him? One old man surviving in the apocalypse. What did even matter? One more day? One more week? In the great chaotic calculus of the universe, maybe that kid deserved life more than the old man. Maybe he just snuffed out a future leader, the great savior who would rebuild this wreck of a world. The old man shook himself out of his thoughts. It was done. He wandered back into the shed he'd been squatting in and saw the old medals hanging on the wall, some sort of race medals achieved by the previous resident. The old man had a box full of similar medals somewhere in a forgotten lifetime. The old man considered it for a moment. He took a medal from the hook, stooped and hung it around the boy's neck. He put his hand on the boy's forehead and uttered a swift prayer to their ancestors. He asked for forgiveness. He dragged the body to the river's edge and rolled it into the swiftly flowing stream. All right, survivors. Well, I hope you enjoyed that first episode of After the Apocalypse by Chris Russell, uh, who's the author, and he's going to join me today to chat about it. Hi, Chris. How are you doing, Mike? Oh, I'm having such a good time. I am loving this story, by the way. I got caught up this week, finally. So you're, you're all the way up to 19? That's right, yeah. 19 was a good show. It was. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It really opened up the world. Yeah. I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Yeah, I just I'm working on twenty right now, is which is going to close season one, and uh, I won't give you any spoilers. But nineteen was fun. Nineteen <laughs> it was. was fun, and and some of these, you know, I'm figuring out what the characters are doing as I'm writing it. Uh-huh. I, know <laughs> I have how a it rough goes. idea of yep. what I want to do, and I write it. <laughs> and uh, and I I have I have three guys who are friends of mine who uh, who help me edit. And they're and they're uh-huh. sort of different. They each have a different viewpoint. So oh, wow. So sometimes it like what I wanted to do, they'll go, "No, that's stupid. Don't do that. You know, do this." And I'm like, <laughs> oh, "Okay, that makes sense." So yeah, it's kind of fun. We're crowdsourcing. Nice, nice. This first episode that we just listened to, um, it does a, such a good job of introducing us to one of the main characters, the old man, and it sets up the stakes of this new world he finds himself in. This young guy that's kind of infiltrating his camp, um, that, he, you know, the old man is kind of onto him right away. Um, what gave him away? What gave away this young kid? It seemed like he was just being pretty innocent, but the old man was onto him. What I was thinking was that the old man at this point has already had some experience with mm-hmm. this, right? Because we're, you know, timeline wise, we're, you know, three, four weeks into the apocalypse, right? Yeah. So he's already had some experience and he's been on the move. Uh, and so he's seen this, right? He's seen the fact that, you know, people have sort of reverted to this, this uh, feral trickster sort of environment. And I also wanted to, as the character, when I first wrote it and as I was doing, developing this character, I wanted him to be sort of insightful, right? To, to know people. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, there's certain people, you'll find this in business and in life where they're always watching and looking at people and oh, figuring yeah. out what they're doing, right? And you've been in those those meetings mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, you have that guy in the corner who doesn't say anything, but he's watching everybody. Right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's that's what I was trying to go for there. Yep. And I love that uh, he takes on a crossbow. You know, you can carry a crossbow for a long time and you can always pick up those bolts and use them again. So it's a very clever weapon. 
Yeah, I was trying, I, I kind of um, was uh, regretting using the crossbow in that first episode <laughs> because it, it's kind of cliche, right? Everybody's like, oh, Walking Dead, you know, uh-huh, of crossbow. Course. Yeah. Um, so I've been trying not to use it that much, even though one of my editors is always like, the crossbow, the crossbow, where's the crossbow, <laughs> right? Uh, so, because I, I didn't want to just, cheat and have that as like the you know sort of um foil all the time interesting all right and i uh i have to talk about this narrator's voice the guy that's reading this for you um yeah he is so perfect his yeah. voice is like it really draws you in uh it's got that rasp it's got that that yeah he, he has the like he sounds like the old man yep. which is kind of cool uh yep. how, how'd you find well first off who is this and how'd you find him so his name is robert and he's uh, he's he's a retired Navy guy out of Baltimore, and I <laughs> and I did some shopping around, and I did you know I I gave everybody that first episode, and I said you know read it for me, uh-huh. and then I I also shared that with some of my friends. I said what do you think A B or C, and and they said we like this guy, and I liked him, but he was reading it like like it was a commercial, right? Like, oh, it okay. was, you know, when it came out sounding like Boys Town USA, hey, here we are, we're doing this, oh, right? funny, yeah. And I'm like, he's got the right voice, but he doesn't have the right tone. So I, I wrote him, you know, I wrote him, I said, Robert, you know, you got a great voice, but it's the apocalypse, dude, <laughs> right? We're not selling soap. Everybody's dead. <laughs> I want you to, you know, go out and smoke three packs of Marlboro and come back and give it a, you know, give it that tone, right? That everything's uh-huh. dark. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he he responded really well. And I'll tell you what, you know, one of the things I liked about this last episode, episode 19, um, is that he's learning the characters uh-huh. and he's really nailing the dialogue. Right. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, it's hard to get dialogue because, you you know, I hear it in my head, but he doesn't hear it in my head. Right. He has to read it. Yeah. And he's done a really good job of like um, I, I notice over the series, he he does a lot more voices. He does a lot more like um, changing, changing his voice to, you know, give these characters a little bit of breath. Um, and it was really fun to kind of watch him explore what he, he's doing. Uh, while also, you know, finding out more and more about these characters. I thought that was great. Yeah, and he's done some tricky bits uh, where the dialogue's been tricky and and really nailed it. And a couple of bits where I said, okay, I want you to act like this is, a, you know, it's a, a commercial on TV, or I want you to, you know, throw some posh sort of accent in, right? And and a couple of the bad guys, like this bad guy that he did in episode 19, that was amazing. Uh, yeah, you guys are going to love... Uh, Oh man, just I can't no spoilers. I know, no spoilers. <laughs> um but I will say, you know, like a good apocalypse movie, there are um or any good apocalypse story, this one has like great action and then another thing I love that you do in this one is you let it breathe sometimes. You you get deeper into these characters' minds and just see what they're thinking about, see what they're going through. Um I'm pretty sure there, there's an episode or two in there where there's not a ton of action. Maybe right. the characters, you know, kind of moving from one place to another, and they're just kind of thinking about how things are going and how things were. Um, and I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah, and I, I did that on purpose. I wanted to make it smarter than some of the apocalypse genre novels that I've read. Right. So so there's been this, this recent wave of these like in the indie press where, you know, you go on Amazon Kindle and get, you know, five novels for 99 cents a piece. And they're, you know, five books in a series like this. And they're all action without any kind of inner dialogue. And it's cool for about two and a half books. And then you just get bored, even though they're blowing people up and blowing the heads off zombies every five minutes. It just it gets rote. Right. So I wanted to be smarter and I wanted to have smart characters who could talk about things like history or talk about things like, you know, religion or, or whatever it is in such a way that it resonates with people. Right. And that's the fun part of having a dystopia or an apocalyptic universe is you can ask these questions, right? Yeah. What would, you know, a a doctor think if you dropped them into this situation, right? What would they do? (laughs) Right. What would... 
a lawyer do if you drop them in this situation, right? And yeah, and and play with those themes. So yeah, I'm glad you picked that up. Oh, totally. And uh, as you were just talking about that, I I remember like okay, so one of my favorite movies and a lot of people's favorite movies is the original Jurassic Park, and it had a certain magic to it because it you know it's a Spielberg film, so it had the action, it had it had. Um, a, a lot of pretty things to look at, uh, mostly giant dinosaurs. Um, but it also had those moments of calm, those moments of regrouping where the characters could have some interaction and, you know, kind of share a little bit about what they're going through um, while also trying to keep each other calm. Uh, specifically when um, Dr. Grant has the kids up in the tree and they're looking out at the brachiosauruses. Um, I think that is the scene that defines the movie for me because um, one, it's where the characters changing you know he didn't like kids and he's starting to you know appreciate them to to care for them again um but it's also this moment of calm in the middle of ridiculous action um on both sides so i i agree and i think all good stories should have those moments of calm yeah and and i don't know if you picked that up or not but there's there's character arc right uh-huh. So the characters internally are struggling with stuff and they'll start in one place and their journey is to get to another place. And again, without giving out spoilers, um, I wanted to work some of that into the main characters. So you see that arc, right, where they're struggling with this stuff and they're evolving and growing or or maybe devolving and growing, right? Yeah, totally. All right. So um, can you give us kind of a what what are we going to expect out of the rest of season one? What are we going to see these characters do throughout season one? Yeah, so it's a lot of universe building where we have to know, okay, who survived, right? Mm-hmm. And and develop a couple of main characters that we can then care about and, and follow, uh, one of which is a dog. <laughs> I <laughs> love the dog. We've got to have a dog, right? Yeah. And, and add in some antagonists, right? So some bad folks. And and th- and sort of establish that there is this this risk because you know nobody's going to listen to a story unless there's stakes, right? So what are the stakes? But the stakes have to be bigger than just running from the zombies. There are no zombies in here, by the way. This is not a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Even but though it is a plague, there is no zombies. <laughs> there are no zombies. Yeah, our people stay dead. Yeah, uh, they die horrible deaths, but they stay dead. Yeah. The but you got to have those stakes, right? And the stakes have to be bigger than just running away from somebody with a gun, right? Or getting in a fight. They have to be bigger than that. So as I progress through this, we're building those stakes and those stakes are for the world, right? What's the world going to be coming out of this? Right. And how are we going to get there? And, um, can you kind of define the, the world, um, like, you know, prior to this story starting, what, what is happening? How have things devolved? Um, what, yeah, kind of like, let me know what's going on outside of the area that these characters are in. So I'll, I'll tell you a story, right? <laughs> this first chapter um, popped into my head that we just listened to. Um, I was down in Atlanta and I was at a, a trade show in downtown Atlanta. And it was March, the second week of March in 2019 right and if people want to think back to where we were the second week of march in 2019 that was right at the beginning of the pandemic right hold on i'm doing my math 19 or 20 2020 yeah 2020 sorry yep my bad um (laughs) how long have we been in this thing (laughs) forever it seems what year is it i don't know but uh so i was there at this trade show and it was like creepy because you know, there weren't any people around and everybody's talking about oh, plague. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I got up one morning and I went for a run and I found a trail that took me down to the Chattahoochee. I was staying up on the North side um, by the ballpark, by the new ballpark. And I found a trail that went down to the Chattahoochee and I was running down the Chattahoochee and I was thinking this would be a great place to start an apocalypse right here on the Chattahoochee. Oh, cool. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where that's that's where that scene comes from. <laughs> um, so what? So I played out the plague at that point and said, okay, what if this plague kills off ninety percent, you know, or ninety five percent of the population? What's going to happen? What right. kind of chaos is going to ensue if you have that kind of 
that kind of threat and that kind of popula- population drop really quickly, right? And what's that going to do to nature? What's that going to do to the infrastructure? What's that going to do, most importantly, to the people in these characters, right? And, and my premise is that stuff will uh, go to hell very quickly. Right. And there will be a lot of initial chaos because we saw a lot of initial chaos, right? As people try to react to this and they oh, don't totally. know what to do, right? Yeah. So I try to paint in that chaos. And then through season one, we're getting, you know, probably a couple months in. So things are starting to, starting to mellow out. You know, all the fires are starting to go out. But now new centers of gravity are starting to coalesce, right? Um, so that's, that's really, you know, that's, that's sort of the timeline and the setting. And how long did this, uh, plague take from like, you know, patient zero to where we're down by 95% of the population? Is it weeks? Is it months? It, it sounds so, like it was pretty darn fast. It, it's fast, right? So my premise is it's, uh, it's weeks, right? And I'm going to have, I'm going to have to figure out the science behind that. You got to trust me. <laughs> Uh-huh. You're going to trust me at this point, <laughs> but uh, I have some ideas on how that could happen okay. uh, without any spoilers for season two. But oh, gotcha. so there's some, there's some interesting evolutionary things just as a little spoiler that our old friend Yasina Pestis did to be so devastating in the middle ages, which is the plague, by the way. That's um, the black plague. Yasina Pestis. I, Yasina why? Pestis. Yes. I never knew its name. Yeah, it uh, it did this cool thing where it said, "Hey, prairie dogs aren't good enough. I'm going to jump to rats." Yeah, and then it said, "Oh, rats aren't good enough, so I'm going to jump to fleas." And fleas, I'm going to make it so they get really hungry but can't eat anything, but infect whoever they bite. Right. So it did this these series of evolutionary steps of jumps that made it incredibly devastating. Right. Um, and that was a bacteria. So I got to figure out how to do the same thing with a virus. But yeah, you're right. It's a couple of weeks. Right. And, and if you think about the chaos, that kind of speed would, would induce, right? Just chaos. Everybody would be unhinged. Yeah, we've seen that with like, you know, different local, um, local experiences like, uh, you know, coastal flooding. People, well, first off, um, I'm so proud of when I see people like actually trying to help. But there's also a lot of looting that happens. Um, you know, crime kind of goes unpunished for uh, in certain places. And yeah, people will change pretty quick when their life is on the line or when their family's lives are on the line. Yep. Um, and when they feel like it's a me versus you rather than a, we're all this, in this together, um, uh, humans can devolve very quickly. Yeah. There's a very thin line between most people and, uh, and that kind of de-evolution, right? Um, so that's the, again, that's a fun part of, a, a this kind of universe is you get to play with those themes, right? Oh, totally. Um, yeah. So, so, and, and to your point, historically, we've been through a bunch of apocalypses, right? Uh, Local right. apocalypses. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, in, I don't know if it was that episode or the second one where I talk about, you know, the, the Romans in Britain, you know, and then, you know, you look at the, uh, the Byzantine empire, all the, you know, these people, if you talk to them at the time. They would have gone, yeah, my life just went away, right? right. <laughs> my civilization just disappeared on me. Yeah. Uh, what am I going to do? So, yeah, it's it's a common human theme. Oh, totally. And, and you know what's hilarious, Mike? What's is that? that? Is that dystopia is so popular right now, whereas you probably couldn't give away a utopia book where everything's cool and everybody likes each other right well yeah we're we're in a bit of a uh no one trusts the government um and probably rightfully so phase right now um you know we both lived through 9 11 um i i have to wrap my mind around the idea that there are adults out there that were born after it at this point uh which is kind of wild but um but yeah we we've we've found our own little bits of dystopia come out of 9-11 with like, you know, the government took some more rights to um, spy on us uh, with without us knowing. And the security lines at the airports completely changed. Like, you know, even still, it's kind of mind boggling that there's this much security just to get on an airplane. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, it's in, and it's little bits like that, that 
man, I hope uh, it doesn't happen again so that we don't have to like take a next step because it already feels like um, a little bit of police state when you're trying to travel like that, you know? Yeah, well, if you you know turn that back around to what we're talking about, right? That's that's again the power of being able to play with these themes, right? Yeah, in a, yeah. In a dystopian universe. So you mentioned when you were talking about this story being in uh, its first inception, um, you said you were running. So uh, you're a long distance runner. Yes, I am. That's awesome. I never got into it, but <laughs> I uh, I run short distances, and that is my limit. Yeah, and 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 there was a little bit of peak involved there on my part, right? Because I'm an older guy now, and you know, the, having the the old man outrun, you know, and sort of tactically know that he could beat that kid up the hill, right? You know, because he is uh, a trained ultra runner, you know, he he's got that skill, and just playing with the fact that that's probably a really valuable skill in the apocalypse, oh, right? Right, being able to run long and far and hard right yeah and both of your main characters so um what we what we don't hear in this episode is there's another character kj that gets introduced and we kind of follow her storyline as well um she is uh like a corporate professional but she she's also dedicated to staying fit um so what's the is there a connection to your life and like you know staying fit and and finding that as um as a, a way to just stay healthy and stay alive? Yeah, I mean, there's there's all that. It's definitely an enabler. But with KJ specifically, and again, we won't spoil anything, but I wanted her not to, first of all, I definitely wanted her to not be this weepy female, you know, lead, right? Or be your classic, you know, Roman mother-in-law bitch. I wanted her <laughs> to be a standalone, strong, athletic woman, right? So not not a not a sex appeal type woman, but a strong athletic woman who's who's willing to kill people if she has to, right? Right. And and I wanted to show that that sort of um, character arc from beginning to end um, yeah. of how she evolves. And and I and I I didn't think I was going to be as successful because I mean, who am I, right? Like I said, I'm an old guy. <laughs> what am I writing a female character? What do I know about that? And I'll tell you what, I've got a ton of positive feedback from, from women who, who are like, well, I love this character, right? So there's something about KJ um, that, you know, when she starts to turn into the, the character that she is, that women really can, can, I guess, they can say, you know, that's great. Right. You know, they, they can see themselves in that sort of transformation. So and I and I wanted to be her to be strong, but sort of like CrossFit strong, sort of like triathlete strong, right? So you know you can you can pick stuff up, you can swing from rafters and and that sort of thing, right? Right, which and, also comes into play. Yeah, and and play with the theme that you know most people when they when they meet her are going to underestimate her. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you, you did mention that, um, you've got some fan art coming so we can see these characters. Are, are those done? Are those ready? Well, I had one initial, um, fan art that I put up on my um, Facebook. It was actually one of my editors, his daughter is in art school, um, in Rhode Island and she did a quickie for me, but I have out, um, I've got two people working on cover art for me for this. Uh-huh. So I'm going to wrap season one at 20 episodes. Uh-huh. And I'm going to turn that into a, a book, ebook, audiobook. Right? Great. Oh, so and, we'll see the art with that book. Right. That's cover art. So got I got it. one guy working on it who I'm not impressed with what he's done so far, but uh-huh. you know, hope springs eternal. <laughs> um, and then I also asked my friend's daughter. I said, "Hey, you know, you do this, do it well. I'll pay you." Because she was pretty close to the mark on her first sketch, um, and mm-hmm. that's like I said, that's up on my uh, my Facebook page. But oh, wow. the, the cover art for the podcast shows that sort of that old guy there. Um, yeah, that, that was just some some stuff I found online and, and played with. I, I like the dark nature of it. I should also mention there is a third character that we've mentioned earlier, the dog. Um, and his name's Bill, <laughs> which is a very unusual name for a dog. Uh, where, did, where did that name come from? Bill the dog. Bill the dog. Um, that you're going to find out in uh, some dialogue in the future. Okay. Where that name came from. Okay. 
but uh, yeah, so Bill is uh, Bill is an interesting character in himself. People like Bill. Yeah, and we do get some, you know, some of it's written from his perspective, which I think is pretty fascinating. Yep. Again, you know, trying to do stuff. I said, okay, I'm going to try to write <laughs> the first <laughs> half of this episode from the dog's perspective, right? Yeah. Right. And uh, and yeah, it, it went okay, right? So. Oh, oh yeah. And you know what's really funny is is you know like. He, he does have a little bit of that uh, personification that you'll find in a cartoon where he's got the mind of, yeah, as astute as a human. Um, he can think about things and, and, you know, he's not just thinking food. Uh, <laughs> that's my person. I need food, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but I do, I'm a dog guy. So I've had um, a couple of dogs who, who actually run with me. And so I've had Border Collies. And anybody who knows Border Collies, knows that you know they are super smart right um and that's the problem is they are they're just super smart and they want to do stuff all the time which is a challenge right so yeah yeah bill gotta have a dog (laughs) yeah and he uh he's a very necessary part of the story uh he i don't know how to say this without spoiling oh man uh, yeah. Just wait. Just wait. Keep listening to this podcast because you're gonna get to Bill and just find out how important that that little pooper is. <laughs> He's a good good dog. He's a good dog. Yeah. Um, so, th- is this your first um, post-apocalypse story that you're writing in podcasting? Um. Yeah. So it isn't. It isn't. You know, I've I've been a creator and a writer my whole life, right? Mm-hmm. So I have other stories and other um, sort of brief forays into this. Um, but this is the first time I organized myself and said, hey, I'm going to do this. And the reason I did it as a podcast, again, was to force myself <laughs> to do it, right? Yeah. Um, because it's easy to say you're going to do it, but committing in podcast form. So now you got a bunch of people out there who are waiting for the next episode. You know, you got to do it, right? So, uh, yeah. So I and, and I needed something to do in the apocalypse that was, um, you know, that kept the creative streak growing. Um, going there right so. yeah of course and you started um after the apocalypse i think you started launch you launched in january of this year right 2021 correct yeah which is just a few weeks before i started doing this which is a podcast version of the youtube show um but i absolutely love it how do you like podcasting so it's it's fun right i mean everybody has a podcast now right like i said <laughs> i started podcasting back in 2007 2008 and it was different then, right? Because it was only like 6,000 podcasts, maybe. Right. Right. And, yeah, now and there it was millions. hard. It was technical. You had to do stuff. Um, and the audio was terrible and all that stuff. And they were hard to listen to. But once the iPad, I'm sorry, the iPod came out, it sort of exploded. But now everybody has one. So that's that's the old joke, right? In, in, uh, in Silicon Valley, if you're at a party and you can't remember somebody's name, you just ask them, hey, I really like your uh, podcast. How's that going? <laughs> <laughs> right that's great but uh no I, I like the medium a lot and and it because it's it's very uh democratic right and everybody's got something to say and maybe there's only 10 people who care about what you have to say but there you go there's 10 people yeah and everyone's an expert in something uh or at least we can talk about something or you know come up with original stories or whatever it takes you know everyone's got some uh creative bug that they need to let out and it democratizes, right? Because otherwise, how would you have done this in the 1990s or 1980s, right? You couldn't have done it, right? Yeah. You couldn't have done this. You would have had to write a book and get it published. And mm-hmm. that never would have happened, right? So yeah, that- podcasts allow people to give themselves permission to be creative. Yeah, and I think podcasts are now where YouTube probably was 10 years ago, give or take, where, you know, there's a lot of channels out there. It You're right. It's, and it's been democratized. Um, the technology's there so that people can do things um, pretty easily at home, which is, I, I, it's a lot of fun. It is. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. I'm using ACAST for this new one um, just because it's simple, right? It's just simple. Yeah. I want to, I want to actually uh, pick your brain about that a little bit after the show. Sure. Um, but yeah, so um, let's see, what else do we have here? Is there already plans for season two? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Are we going to follow the same characters? Yes. 
you're gonna, we're going to keep going? <laughs> feel like we're, we're playing 20 questions here. Yes, we're going to keep going. Um, the timeline <laughs> might jump around a little bit, uh-huh. and we're going to introduce new characters. I have some new characters. I actually already have some of these chapters written. Oh, cool. And I think season two is going to be um, sort of, uh, how do I say this? Sort of like The Hobbit, right? Where you have the Battle of the Five Armies. I'm going to start because, because you know, like I said, centers after you're into the apocalypse for a while, center of gravity start to coalesce. And so we're going to walk through those different centers of gravity and, and how they come together and interact, right? Awesome. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. And I'm hoping to do five seasons if I can. Awesome. So that's, uh, yeah, that should get me to retirement. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and uh, so if you, if you, this one took you about six months, is, are you expecting season two to come out like for fall, winter, or you're going to take a little break? So I, like I said, I want to turn season one into, into book form. Mm-hmm. And I've done that before. So I'm, I've self-published before. So that's not a yeah. big effort. It just requires some time and some focus on my part. And yeah. unfortunately, I have a full-time job. So <laughs> like the rest <laughs> of us, right? You get mm-hmm. time for your hobbies. Um, but yeah, no, actually I've been thinking about this and as we got to the chapter 20, which I'm working on right now, um, I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is great. I don't want to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I want to keep going. So yeah. maybe, maybe a month, maybe a couple of months, no more okay. than a couple of months. All right. Cause this is, I coming... won't pod fade. You can, you can look nice. at my resume. I never pod fade. I've still got a <laughs> podcast that I started in 19, no, sorry, 2008. I'm on episode 459. Oh, wow. That's awesome. But that's the lesson, right, for creatives. If you give yourself first, you know, we talked about giving yourself permission to do something like this. But if you can keep doing it, you know, you're just maybe it's this little thing. Maybe it's 1500 words and you're stacking that up every week. By the end of, you know, 10 years, you're going to have a lot of words. You're going to have a million words, right? No kidding. Right. Yeah, and I do say this as a uh, a bit of a selfish fan. Like, I I would like season two to come out as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the Patreon page. Oh, tell me more. <laughs> because Robert has to get paid, right? He doesn't do this because he he, he I'm sure he loves it, but uh, he needs yeah. to get paid. So uh, no, I have a Patreon page where you can contribute. Awesome. And uh, let me see if I can pull up that. Um, Let's see. Oh, yeah, here it is. Patreon.com slash after the apocalypse. Ooh, nice and easy. There you go. Yeah. So uh, currently my outflow is a little bit ahead of my inflow. So that's another reason for taking a little break, right? For uh, To get the capital to move on. Do your patrons get any bonuses? Any, any special things? Yeah, you would think so, but... <laughs> <laughs> Not I yet. I haven't figured that out yet. Yeah. Maybe when we get some good art, we'll whip up some t-shirts with something funny on them. What should the t-shirts say? Oh, man. Say, um, uh, all, all the best lovers are in the apocalypse or <laughs> survivors do it with uh, desperation. I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now. The best thing you could possibly do is just put Bill the dog on a t-shirt. <laughs> just say Bill the yeah. dog. Bill the dog. <laughs> Bill on top of that, the dog. That yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, didn't you mention that uh, Acast might might um, be able to do like an early release type of strategy, or am I making that up? What do you mean? Oh, okay. Yeah, because on my Patreon, uh, my patrons get access to everything I do oh, yeah. a few days I, early. I, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Um, and I do I do post the full scripts, right? So you can't get the full scripts oh, okay. until you sign up. Um, and I do post uh, some some bonus content. So I've been reading some other stories from my other universes into uh-huh. uh into audio and posting those oh great feed. and are you reading those yourself yeah ah so cool. the audio quality is that much more worth <laughs> um but yeah oh cool um and i think the last thing i want to talk about is the length of the episodes now i haven't done the math um, but I know that your episodes got longer as the season progressed, but you also did more of an outro where you're kind of talking about um, your sci-fi fandom, going over some old um, movies, books that you've discovered over the years. Um, were the the actual narratives, were they getting longer as well? Yeah. So this is interesting, right? Because I was shooting for, you know, 20 minutes, right? 
15, 20 minutes. And typically I have enough time in my life or I have enough creative energy to do 1,500 to 2,000 words. And that comes out to 15 minutes or so, right? But I said, okay, let's take this and make this, a, instead of calling this a, you know, a disadvantage, let's make this part of our strength, right? This is what we do. And so I said, we're going to make this small bites, small bites of podcast. Um, so yeah, they started out a little bit shorter as like 15 minutes. But then as I started, you know, developing the story and getting into it, it was hard to keep them <laughs> under, uh, in that bite size. Right. So, so now my, I try to get somewhere around 2000 to 3000 words. Got it. Right. So 2000, 3000 words comes out to be around 20 minutes or less. And then I started adding those outros because, you know, I'm thinking about this stuff as I'm doing, doing it. And I'm saying, you know, maybe other people would be interested in what I'm thinking. Right. So some of this, you know, if you like 1970s or 1940s uh, science fiction, some of this old stuff that's been fun to explore, which is, you know, all of this stuff is crammed into me as a big meat grinder that comes out as after the apocalypse, right? This is all the influences that I've collected throughout my life. Oh, and great. just, yeah, one of the things we were talking about on my Facebook group, uh, which I forget what I did now. Oh, it's called Old Man Apocalypse is the Facebook group. Um, I said, you know, what do, what do you like about this? And and one of the things that people said is, is we like the way that you're describing how like things are changing in the apocalypse, right? How nature is changing, how structures are changing, how this sort of thing. And and I pulled that directly from that novel, um, uh, what's um, the Earth abides, right? Uh -huh. Which I talked about in one of my outros. You know, he does a great job. He's based in San Francisco and he does it. He uses the uh, the Bay Bridge as sort of this metaphor. And throughout the book, the Bay Bridge is crumbling, you know, and, and from the beginning to end. And I, that really had a powerful influence on me on how he how he describes sort of the, how civilization slowly crumbled and the infrastructure slowly crumbled. And so that was, yeah, I wanted to share some of that stuff with people in the outro. Yeah, and it is pretty amazing um, how fast the earth will reclaim things. Like when you see an abandoned house that's only, especially uh, in the south, <laughs> where where the forest will it will take back your house <laughs> if you do not cut your grass. It's pretty wild. The kudzu um, will get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and um, you got to cut your grass. You got to trim back those those trees and vines because uh, they will take over your house. And and um, you know I, I went. Uh, went looking for um, some property to potentially buy and um, saw the house, no problem, went in the backyard and then boom, I go buy one tree and then there's a there's a whole garage that no, no one knew was there. Um, but it was just so overgrown already within just a couple of years of being abandoned, which is pretty wild. Yeah, it is. It's and uh, yeah, that book, The Earth Abides talks through all that stuff, right? Yeah. And, and uh, so that's a that's a good influence. Um, but you're working right where my characters are right now. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's been uh, really wild because I'm not a Tennessee native, um, but uh, I've I've lived in Nashville for the last four and a half years. Um, so I'm like hearing about the Chattahoochee and and going from Atlanta to East Tennessee mountains. My parents just bought property in the East Tennessee mountains, so it's been pretty cool to. Um, to just kind of be able to picture these places from my own memory as I'm, as I'm listening. Yeah. So we, we cut right across the Appalachian trail there and mm -hmm. now we're down, you know, following the river, right? Yeah. Um, that's the, the, what is that? The Ohio river? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Big river that goes through Tennessee on the border. Yeah. Um, shoot. I'm gonna have to look this one up. There's, well, there's Chattahoochee of course, yeah, which the is Hooch, near the Hooch Chattanooga. Is in Georgia. That's down in Atlanta. But then, uh, oh, gotcha. but, uh, yeah, so, so I'm trying, so I know the area, right. Uh -huh. I've traveled a bunch and with my work over the years. So I know all these places really well, and I'm trying to make it so that when you're listening, you can actually, actually picture yourself there, right. Have enough environmental description that you can, you can sort of live the moment with the characters, right. Oh, totally. All right. So it's the Tennessee river that, that goes Tennessee from Knoxville to Chattanooga. I know, right. It, it gives itself away. <laughs> yeah. And one of my editors uh, lives up on Signal Mountain. Up, up, oh, fun. That's yeah. a great spot to, to explore. Chattahoochee. 
So mm-hmm. I'm not, yeah, Chattahoochee. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Very cool. So um, would you give our listeners... Chattanooga. Um, that's what I meant to say. Chattanooga. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Chattanooga. Edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Signal Mountain is like the an overlook of downtown Chattanooga. It's a beautiful... There's a bunch of hiking up there. Um, there's also... What's it called? Rock City is up that way somewhere? Um, I don't know. It's, um, it's like this amusement park for nature lovers. It, uh, I haven't been in it, but uh, yeah, it looks pretty cool. Hmm. Uh, up on Lookout, Lookout Mountain, and it's right on the border. You kind of get up there, and and <laughs> the roads will just crisscross from Georgia to Tennessee, back and forth. It's pretty wild. So, um, that's where, so you know where the characters are. That probably yeah. helps you with the story. Pretty good. Cool. Yeah. Now I've got a whole new set because um, yeah, sometimes I don't catch these things while I'm listening. Um, but uh, yeah. But the the other thing is, I'm trying to be close but not perfect, right? Yeah. So if I'm naming towns, that town may exist, but it may not be. <laughs> you know, I may be using the name of that town in another place, right? So it's, yeah, because I know I'm going to get, somebody's going to send me an angry email, right? <laughs> of course, yeah. Hey, that's, uh, you know, it, you said it was 10 miles, but it's eight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, what would you say is kind of your biggest um, post-apocalypse influence? Are you a, a Mad Max fan? Have you gotten to play Fallout? So I play a game called uh, Dead Frontier. For, for my gaming. <laughs> nice. Um, which is a, a MMO, you know, massive multiplayer thing um, that I've been playing for a while. So I'm trying to max out my character before I kick it to the curb, but that's kind of fun. <laughs> nice. The But but it's more, um, I'm coming at it more from the, the science fiction world. Um, and I remember seeing the first uh, zombie movies, right? When, yeah. when, when there were only a couple zombie movies and people didn't know what to do with them. Right. So night, <laughs> night of the living dead, dawn yeah. of the dead, oh, uh-huh. amazing movies, right? Yes. Amazing movies in their time. Like people didn't know what to do with them. Right. They're like, what? Right. Um, and of course, walking, walking dead was a smart show. They jumped the shark. Now I don't care about any of the new characters. So I haven't watched it in three years, but got it. Yeah. But the first season was amazing. Yeah, tons um, of fun. Twenty eight days later, another good one, right? Mm-hmm. That that first movie. Um, the but as far as the the sort of Mad Max stuff, the original Mad Max was amazing, right? And here, remember yeah. the original Mad Max? That was one of those movies where it was just you know that director just did that, right? There was no like nobody wanted that movie. They just <laughs> made it, right? And the, and they made it in Australia, and yeah. And they made, if you watch those motorcycle chase scenes, those are done at actual speed, right? uh There's somebody out in a pickup truck filming these motorcycles going 90 miles an hour in the back country of Australia. So it's, it's a really, those are really good. I love that character, that Mad Max character. Um, Not so much when they got into the Tina Turner stuff, but you know. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Everyone yeah. either loves or hates Thunderdome. That's that's and the way then it goes. you know the the sort of the classic smart sci-fi stuff like Blade Runner and uh-huh. uh, and stuff like that. Yeah, I love that. That's great. So uh, will we see any um, Blade Runner esque landscapes popping up? Oh, I don't know. After yeah, the apocalypse, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I have to think about that. Well, sometimes it, it you know those stories it's like long after the apocalypse. So during the rebuild, right? Right. During some yeah. new society that comes later. Um, yeah, that's, that's where those kind of landscapes pop up. Yeah. But it's interesting cause it's, it's kind of, it's futuristic. It, you know, if it was an actual, if civilization actually went away and you drop back to early medieval times, yeah. you know, people wouldn't be dressing like that, doing that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be out trying to grow potatoes. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I go catch an animal so yeah. I can eat this month? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Interesting. Well, I'm I'm super excited to see where After the Apocalypse continues to, and I cannot wait for this next episode, which should come out I this guess. afternoon. It, really? Yeah, if everything goes right. Oh, cool. I had Robert do some retakes. He had, he had some funny funny misreads, and uh, and we'll edit that up. I haven't written my uh, my outro yet, so I gotta got to write it. my outro. Oh, fun. It's pretty interesting. Uh, I've, I started doing like my intros and my outros on this show, and um, they're actually a lot of fun. I, I was nervous about them at first, had a hard time writing them, and then I realized, you know, they kind of just happen. So do you find yourself sort of thinking about them all week? 
Like you'll be like, you'll be doing something. You go, Oh, I got to remember that for my intro. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. And if I don't take the note, it's gone forever. <laughs> right. Exactly. You got to stop and type it into your phone. Siri, yeah. remember yeah. koala bears, koala bears. <laughs> and then later you're like, what, what what's that what? for? <laughs> what? What was I thinking? Yeah. Mm. Oh, totally. All right. So um, the good news is for you guys listening to this show, um, after the apocalypse season one is probably out in its completion. So you guys can go binge that right now. Um, so um, I know you're on Acast, but it's pretty much everywhere. Everywhere. Podcasts can be found. Yep. Is that right? Everywhere. Even awesome. over on YouTube, you can listen to it. Fantastic. Yeah, I do the same thing. And um, give us um, give us your best your best description of this show after the apocalypse. So it's, that's that's good question because I have to come up with all this stuff from my book cover stuff, right? My blurbs. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's a, it's a post pandemic universe. Um, and we follow the survivors and we see how they respond to, you know, civilization blinking out, right. And mm-hmm. follow them through their adventures and their, and their challenges. That's perfect. And there's a dog. <laughs> Don't and, forget Bill the dog. <laughs> and one of the main characters is an old guy who's a ultra runner. The characters are great. They're really fun. Um, and I, you definitely feel for them. They're, they're very human. Yeah. And Robert does a great job. I'm really pleased with, especially these later episodes. He, he really knows the characters and he's able to infuse, you know, the right sensibilities into them. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and, uh, I got one last question for you. This one's a zinger. Um, your nickname is mad dog. You're Chris mad dog. Russell, where's that come from? Mad dog. Uh, so <laughs> I, I did that on purpose for you, Mike, because I know you're makeshift, right? And <laughs> That's I was, me. I was researching you a little bit, and everybody's got a little uh, apocalypse nickname. Yeah, right? they're like they're like uh, festival names, like a wasteland right. names. Yeah. So you know, same thing. If you're hiking the Appalachian Trail, you get your trail name, right? Uh-huh. So in the in the running world where I live, you know, same thing, right? Everybody has a nickname. So I'm Mad Dog. Awesome. And that has to do with my <laughs> attitude towards you know towards racing. <laughs> well, now, go on. So, I, all right. This is a long story. You guys don't care about this stuff, man. So, um, I was running a half marathon down in New Bedford, New Bedford, New Bedford Massachusetts. Yeah. Yep. And I was there with a, a, a running club called the Goon Squad, which uh-huh. is sort of a radical running club. Awesome. And I wasn't a member yet, but they, I rode down there with them. And I was went out in the course, and I went out too hard, and I pulled something in my leg, and so they sort of passed me while I was standing there, with, you know, injured. Uh huh. And then I said, "To hell with it," and jumped back in the race and passed them all again. <laughs> and they're like, "You're a mad dog." Oh yes. You're a member of our club now, and your name is Mad Dog. <laughs> that's so great. Uh, I mean, that's a well-deserved nickname. So well done. There you go. A, a that that's probably first time I've ever told that story on uh, <laughs> on a podcast. Yes. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, that's uh, awesome. I wish my name had that kind of a story, but I made it up for my show. <laughs> and a lot of uh, wastelanders, um, there's a few different camps. Some some people believe that you have to be given your name right. um, by your, either your tribe mates or just kind of earn it some way. Um, right. But I needed one for my YouTube channel, so I just I I needed it. And then um, makeshift was, you know, I needed to be able to respond to something. So I made it sound kind of like my name, Mike. So it's like Mike Shift when I had the Australian accent. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Anyway. But you're right, you know, because, and and the trouble is, if somebody gives you a good name like Mad Dog, you're like, great, Uh I'll take that, right? Yeah. Because usually they're giving you a a name like, you know, Diaper Head or something, right? Right. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, you know, the the making fun of you with love nickname (laughs) is not always the one you want to be called, you know, 10 years later. You end up being Booger. (laughs) Right. Yep. Um, Awesome. Okay, guys. So I'm going to put all these links to um, After the Apocalypse, the web series. Also, uh, the Patreon, if you want to help support uh, Mad Dog. Chris Russell, uh, creating more of these because I swear you guys are going to love this show. You're going to get hooked and you're going to want more. So uh, consider dropping a couple dollars over there uh, to help keep the show running. 
Um, Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure to get to talk to you. Yeah, Mike, this was great. Thank you so much for, for having me on. Really Absolutely. Enjoyed it. Oh, such a, such a good time. Yeah, and getting to talk about what makes this show tick uh, is great. And uh, I'm definitely looking forward to hearing this last episode, which, again, you guys can listen to right now. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I cannot wait for season two. Right, man. It's a wrap. Awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, for all you out there, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. And if you hated it, share it with your enemies on the collar of a wonderfully good boy named Bill the Dog. I'll see you next time, survivors. Stay alive. Hey, Survivors, if you want to help support The Apocalypse Post and get some rad merch in exchange, head over to theapocalypsepost.square.site, where you can pick up some patches, postcards, or our newest edition, a set of guitar picks. Or get yourself a limited edition Apocabob pin. This little man is showing the world that all it takes to survive the end times is a gas mask and a dream of, well, just staying alive.